are on the line. Live on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga and in Auburn on ESPN 1067 or online on FoxSports983.com and ESPNAU.com. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Lance Daw. Join the show by calling in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7. You're on the line with Noah Gardner and Lance Dawn, ESPN 106.7 and Fox Sports Central Alabama. Happy Friday, everybody. One day away, the eve of a massive Halloween Auburn Ole Miss football game. These two teams seem to meet a lot of years around that Halloween time. Of course, tomorrow is not Halloween. Sunday is, but... This matchup definitely feels spooky for the Ole Miss Rebels. Lance, how you doing today, my man? Doing great, Noah. How are you doing? I'm doing really well. Pre-recorded show today for everybody. Just letting folks know in case you try and call in. I'm headed towards Lee Scott's last regular season football game of the season. They're on the road in Selma, Alabama, or just outside Selma, Alabama, against the Morgan Academy Senators. You can catch that game tonight on AU100. That's 100.3 FM here in the Auburn-Opelika area. Pre-game at 6.30, kickoff at 7, as well as you can watch the broadcast on the Lee Scott Sports Network Facebook page. So that is why today is pre-recorded because I am on the way out of town. Lance and I holding down the show here pre-recorded. We've got a lot of interviews lined up for you guys today. We got Buster Daniel, Lee Scott football head coach, as well as Eric Speakman, Opelika football head coach. We'll also play our interview with Christian Clemente of AuburnSports.com from yesterday to talk to you guys about this Auburn Ole Miss matchup. Some of those rumors you may have been seeing on social media. Those don't believe everything you see on the internet, kids. Don't be gullible. I don't think it's going to be as bad as everybody originally thought it may have been when this week started coming out of the bye week. As well as we will also talk with Jacob Hillman, the jungle president. That is the Auburn basketball student section or the official name of the entire Auburn student section, whether it be football, basketball, or baseball. We speak with him as Auburn basketball gets ready to get back into full swing as they have their orange and blue scrimmage tonight in Auburn Arena. We'll also take a listen back as well to our conversation with Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer from earlier this week to preview this Auburn Ole Miss game. Saturday selections as well on this Friday edition of the show. Lance, it's all packed. Absolutely. And if you're not able to catch most of the show today, you can go and find the podcast wherever you get your podcast. Also want to note, you'll be driving out to call Lee Scott tonight. I have one of two options. I will either be going to the Auburn scrimmage for basketball or I will be celebrating the Braves winning tonight against the Houston Astros. It is going to happen tonight. I guarantee it. So if they if they lose, you know, don't don't come crying to me, but they are going to win. I'll just go ahead and let you know right now. And Jacob Hillman is a noted huge Atlanta sports fan, with the exception of the Atlanta Falcons. That's the team that if you're an Atlanta sports fan, that's the team that typically gets cut out. Like, that's the one team that everybody's kind of like, don't really like the Falcons. Huge Braves fan, huge Hawks fan. We're going to talk with Jacob Hillman about that as well. He's very knowledgeable about the game of baseball. He was interning with us back this past summer, and it's also well documented that this is a guy that will go to every single baseball game that Auburn University has as well if it's in the house. So he's somebody that you want to listen to 
when he talks about baseball. Very knowledgeable about the game. Looking forward to hearing him talk about World Series Game 3 tonight between the Houston Astros and the Atlanta Braves. We're going to continue to preview this Auburn Ole Miss game throughout the show. We're going to continue a conversation that we had yesterday about position group matchups. But before we get to that conversation, I do want to remind everybody also about Auburn High and their broadcast, IMG Academy, coming into town here locally, taking on the Auburn High Tigers. We have that on Wings 94.3, pregame at 6.30, kickoff at 7. Scott Bagwell, head coach Robert Maddox, those two will have the call tonight. Once again, Wings 94.3, 6.30 p.m., and also kickoff at 7. That's going to be a blast. That also should have been in your trio of things that you could have done tonight. Either go to the Auburn IMG game, go to the Auburn University men's basketball scrimmage, or watch the Braves. I'm leaning, Tough decisions. I'm leaning towards Braves, but that definitely, now that I know that that's going to be a huge matchup, I could definitely lean towards that. I could go check that high school uh, game out as well. Auburn High School games, by the way, always a ton of fun. Let's move on. Talking about this Auburn Ole Miss football game, breaking down the position group matchups between Auburn and Ole Miss. Yesterday we did the offense. Today we're going to take a look at the defense and basically saying, all right, defensive lines, which group has the better defensive line? And that's where we'll start the conversation here. Who's got the better D-line? I think it's got to be Auburn because you look, we were talking about it on yesterday's show, you look statistically at what this Ole Miss unit has done. Obviously, last year, one of the worst defenses in all of college football and one of the worst defenses in Ole Miss history. You look at them right now, they're a little bit better than they were last year, but not by a ton, specifically in the rush department. I think you can look at this defensive line and you can contribute a lot of their ability to stop the rush to this defensive line. They're currently 13th in the SEC. They give up 181 rushing yards per game. That's not very good. And so I look at this rush defense for for Ole Miss. I know they've got a good pass rush, but man, if Auburn wants to run the ball on this team, I think they're going to have the ability to do so. You also look at Auburn's defense. Their rushing defense is th- fifth in the SEC. I'm sorry, at 124 rushing yards per game. They get after the quarterback. They get sacks. They plug holes well. They are a sound unit. They're not an elite unit, but I think they're very sound. And then you look at what Ole Miss is going to do. We talked about Ole Miss and their offensive line quite a lot yesterday, but something that we didn't mention is Ben Brown, their center, who has 40 starts for the Ole Miss Rebels, is out for the season. He's going to have a season-ending surgery, and he is not going to be playing for the Rebels. So that is something that you have to take into account also with this Auburn defense playing as well as they are in the trenches right now outside of that Georgia game. They may have some success against a backup center. Earlier this week, I talked about how, and it was on Report Wednesday, if you missed that show, I encourage you to go check it out before this ball game. Report Wednesdays, we always dive in schematically, take a look at the film, also take a look at some of the in-depth analytics and statistics that are out there, whether it be SEC, StatCat, or Pro Football Focus. We really take a deep dive into what Auburn's opponent that week likes to do, and then we try and figure out how Auburn matches up with that. And I feel like Auburn's defense matches up better with Ole Miss's offense than Ole Miss's offense check that then Ole Miss's defense matches up with Auburn's offense I think Auburn has a better shot of stopping Ole Miss than Ole Miss does of stopping Auburn and people may disagree with me on that but here's a place where I find some comfort despite the fact that how well Ole Miss has been running the football I think Auburn's going to bring out three, four-man fronts. They're going to mix in and out. This is a multiple defense. That's what Derek Mason likes to do. 
but Auburn is going to put a nose tackle out there and it's going to be Tony Fair and he's going to be out there on early down situations, first and second downs on running situations. Tony Fair is going to be out there. That's a man. Yeah. That's a 330, 340 pound man. A backup center is going to have a really hard time Mm -hmm. against Tony Fair and Tony Fair has played really well this year. He was a candidate during the bye week when we were talking about top newcomer. We were doing Auburn midseason superlatives. He's not talked about enough. And those tackles are never talked about enough. I don't think, to this day, people have probably forgotten about Dontavious Russell and how good he was. But, like, that's just another example of guys who play that position. And Dontavious Russell wasn't a true nose tackle, but he was the closest thing to that on that roster as a defensive tackle, especially when Auburn's more of a truly a four-man front most of the time. But those guys just don't get love because they don't put up a ton of statistics. They don't get a ton of tackles for loss. Unless you're Derek Brown who literally is just a transcendent player, you're just not going to get a ton of love. And what Tony Fair has done so well this year, although he's not racking up a ton of statistics, he's holding the point of attack. He's not getting blown off the ball. He's making things ugly in the interior. And he's allowing, and he's holding two gaps really well. He's holding both sides of the center and those guard gaps. He's holding those spots very well and allowing his linebackers to come and play behind him and make plays, which those guys are getting all the love, and they should be because Chandler Wooten and Jacoby McLean are leading this team in tackles. And they're playing phenomenally at this point. Tony Fair is going to cause some disruptive issues for Ole Miss on the interior. And then not to mention, I think you're going to see Colby Wooden play more inside. He's going to play more of that defensive tackle role that we've seen him play this year than playing out closer to the edge. I think Auburn's going to bring guys more inside. They're still going to have their stand-up outside linebackers, but I expect more of a 3-4 look from Auburn in this game defensively to stop the run as opposed to a... 4-3 look or a 4-2-5 nickel look and my reasoning for that is Ole Miss likes to run the ball in between the guards a lot they have a very balanced approach but they've had most of their success statistically according to pro football focus in between the guards they like to get this thing up the middle I know you were breaking down a report Wednesday earlier this week on SEC StatCat a lot of success with inside zone and zone read they have a lot of success up the middle Auburn can try and condense their defense a little bit Of course, that brings up worries that maybe they'll be able to get you out on the edge. They'll be able to get on the outside. But this Auburn defense tackles just as well as anybody does in the SEC out on the edge. They play well laterally. With Owen Papo, I think he's going to be back. I could be wrong, but I think he's going to get back. That's kind of the hints that this program's been dropping all week. That's kind of the hints that beat reporters have been dropping all week is that Papo will be back. If Papo's back and Jacoby McLean's out there and also as well as Chandler Wooten's been playing, Auburn can cover a lot of ground with those linebackers. So Ole Miss beating Auburn on the edge doesn't worry me that much. I think you're not going to get as good of a result as Alabama got against this Ole Miss rushing attack, which was holding them to some 74 yards on the ground. Don't quote me on that, but it was definitely not a lot. It didn't break 75 or 80, I don't think. I don't think you're going to get that type of result, but I definitely think you're going to minimize the Ole Miss rushing attack, which is how you go about stopping this offense. And I think Auburn's defensive line, going back to where the genesis of this discussion is, trying to say which defensive line we think is better, I'll say for this specific matchup, although Ole Miss is probably the better pass rushing D-line, I'll say for the specifics of this matchup, I like how Auburn's defensive line matches up with Ole Miss's offensive line a heck of a lot more 
than how Ole Miss's defensive line matches up with Auburn's offensive line. I agree. And then on top of that, we were talking about this on Report Wednesday as well, just talking about the dynamics of this game. Ole Miss having played four straight SEC games against Alabama, Tennessee, Arkansas, LSU, getting a little bit banged up, obviously, like we mentioned earlier, losing Ben Brown and a couple of other different pieces, Matt Corral not being 100%. You look at this offensive line right now against Auburn's defensive line, and Auburn's D-line is rested. Not only that, like you just mentioned, let's say Ole Miss wants to run the ball inside. They may not be able to do it against this three-man front for Auburn. Like you mentioned, Tony Fair is going to be an issue for the Rebels, I think. Auburn's going to clean up inside with their linebackers, which we'll get to in a second. If they want to go to the outside, like you mentioned, Auburn's well-rested. Owen Papo is probably coming back this weekend. Not only that, they've got Chandler Wooten and Zacoby McLean. They can get to the perimeter, and they can make some tackles on these running backs if they if Ole Miss elects to do that as well. So it was kind of the, the emphasis, the point of emphasis on Wednesday, talking about this Ole Miss offense. They've got to be able to run the ball, I think, to have success against Auburn because they also have injuries in the receiver room as well. And this defensive line, I think, is going to play a huge part in that for Auburn. So I agree with you. Matchup-wise, I think the Tigers definitely take the cake there. Linebackers. Linebackers, I think it's got to be Auburn. And I will give a shout-out, though, to a couple of uh, a couple of Ole Miss's players. Chance Campbell uh, has been somebody that has played really well for them this season. 56 total tackles, four sacks for them. Otis Reese, 54 tackles. I mean, they've got a couple different guys on, on, on roster that have been efficient for them. Uh, and then a guy that kind of plays as an edge linebacker, kind of a defensive lineman linebacker type of guy. I'll include him as well. Uh, Sam Williams, seven and a half sacks uh, so far this season. So they will get after the quarterback. They will do that in this game. Uh, but but outside of that, you know, you look at the total yards. They blitz right? a lot. They do blitz a lot. Blitz a lot. You look at the total yards that this team is giving up. They're they're being gashed in the ground game. They're being gashed in the pass game. And when it comes to being efficient, they're allowing quarterbacks to complete a high percentage of their passes as well. We talked about that on that on, more, uh, on on Report Wednesday and on Thursday's show. I like these linebackers. I'm not saying they're bad, but this whole product for Ole Miss, you look at it defensively, and I just don't think that while they do get after the pass, or yeah, they do get after the passer, they're not better than Owen Papo, Chandler Wooten, and Zacoby McClain. The picture that is painted here, and this is very similar to Arkansas last year going into this year, I think that group's improved a little bit up front. But then again, they are one of the more poor. They are one of the poorer run defenses in the league as well. Mm-hmm. It's it's very much so an Arkansas situation. But what's even more indicting about this Ole Miss defense is they they run a lot of four man fronts. This isn't the case with Arkansas where they're running a lot of dollar. They're running a lot of four man fronts. Now, granted, they do get into the nickel a lot, and that's going to create numbers disadvantages and run situations if you don't get out of it, especially when teams put a tight end on the field and elect to put an extra blocker on that offensive line. Massive numbers disadvantages. Auburn encountered that a lot last year under Kevin Steele, who was pretty much glued to the nickel. Wouldn't put a third linebacker on the field ever, even if it was needed. Um, Ole Miss is kind of in a similar boat this year, but I think these linebackers are good. Not nearly as good as Zacoby McClain Owen Papo and Chandler Wooten. And the reasoning for that is look at the differences and how many yards these two teams are giving up on the ground and then the yards per carry numbers that they're giving up on the ground. That's how you know. These linebackers aren't making plays in the gaps. They're making plays five, six yards down the field, four or five yards down the field, right? They're not making plays at the line of scrimmage like Auburn's linebackers are. Auburn's forcing a lot of tackles for loss and run stopping. Ole Miss not in that same category. That's even more of an indictment on the Ole Miss defensive line from a run-stopping perspective 
that they're getting pushed off the ball like this and that teams are able to get that initial push. I think these linebackers are still playing well in spite of that defensive line, but it further paints a picture for me. And then also you bring up those sack numbers. It further paints a picture for me that maybe this defensive line shouldn't be credited with all of the success that Ole Miss has gotten from their pass rush. Ole Miss has to blitz a lot and has to take some of these linebackers out of potential coverage situations in order to create negative plays in the passing game and to help their secondary out that we'll get to as well. There's just not a whole lot that this defense does well, but if I was going to point to an area where I'm like, okay, these guys have some talent here, it is the linebacker group, and they're putting up the numbers, but I think they're putting up the numbers to make up for some of the shortcomings that other areas of this defense have. Uh, to your credit, talking about the yards per attempt they're giving up, Auburn, like I mentioned earlier, is fifth in the SEC in yards per game that they're allowing on the ground. They are third in the SEC in yards per ga- per carry, and they are tenth in the SEC in rushing attempts that are that are that are allowed per game. So Auburn's got a very ha- high volume of rushing uh, rushing. Uh, uh, yeah, I guess rushing attempts that are coming at them, but they are v- doing very well in stopping those guys early on. What is that attributed to? Linebackers coming and filling the gaps and making stops. Ole Miss, on the other hand, is giving up 4.1 yards per carry, and they're still sitting in the bottom half, somewhere between that 12 and 13 range in rushing yards per game as well. So you're exactly right. These linebackers, while they still may have a little bit of talent in the pass rushing uh, category, I think this rush defense is is definitely struggling. And also, I feel like kind of like you, what you were what you were uh, hinting at there. It feels like the their the pressure that they send is masking the inability of this group to play somebody straight up. Also, it's masking the inability of the defensive line to get pressure organically without a blitz being drawn up. Right. They have to send more guys. See, Auburn has elected to not blitz as much as maybe we thought they would because they are saying, look, we like our secondary. We like their ability to contain. We see the talent back there. And by the way, Roger McCreary is shooting up draft boards. Mel Kuyper and Todd McShay have him listed as a potential first-round pick at this point. Mel Kuyper's got him as 19th on his big board right now. Todd McShay's got him at 31. So that's got you as a first-rounder. Of course, not everybody's going to draft based off of a big board, but he's top 32 right now in terms of players in the country that are draft eligible. So that's huge, according to those guys. I think Auburn likes their secondary a lot for that reason. They like how they've progressed in that area, even if Auburn fans are continuing to pull their hair out. But they're used to a different brand of defense, and I think that's part of of what you can attribute to why Auburn fans are frustrated. I don't think this secondary is playing bad. I just think that's the style of defense that they've chosen to play. Whereas Ole Miss has gone in the other direction. They said, look... We want to put these guys in man-to-man. They'll drop back into some cover three as well, but they're going to blitz more with the hopes of creating some turnovers, which they've been able to do all right this year, and to be able to get some sacks as well. The problem is it's been boom or bust. They've given up some big plays too, which has absolutely killed them on the scoreboard. They've given up 28 points a game right now. Yeah, and more than that in SEC play. I think it's 34 a game in SEC play. That's something I was about to point out is the difference between SEC play and just the overall product for Ole Miss so far this season. Talking about this defensive back group now as well, overall on the season, Ole Miss is giving up in terms of completion percentage. Like I mentioned earlier, they're 11th in, in, in the SEC, 62.8%. But in SEC play alone, they are worst in the SEC, and it's almost 68% of the passes that they're giving up. Auburn right now is currently sitting at 66.5%, and that is worst in the SEC. 
uh, but but you would you you would like to imagine that this Auburn defense as a whole, not only is it, I believe, a better product than what Ole Miss is putting out there, but B, they're also not giving up a lot of explosive plays still. There's 25 points allowed per game in conference play. They're still five spots higher than Ole Miss in terms of total yards allowed per game through the air. So not only is Auburn holding things in front of them, but they're not really allowing a ton of yardage to begin with, even though guys are completing passes on them. They're just not getting very far with it. Whereas with Ole Miss, not only are they giving up a high clip, but they have given up those explosive plays so far this season. And I also want to mention, this is something that we talked about whenever Arkansas played Ole Miss a couple of weeks ago. Look, Arkansas is not a fantastic passing offense, but Ole Miss was bleeding yardage to Arkansas. If Auburn wants to go to the tight ends, like I mentioned on yesterday's show, they can do that. If they want to find Shedrick Jackson or Kobe Hudson or Demetrius Robertson on some type of simple type of route, they're going to get that. And if they want to take that explosive play, they can if they elect to do so. I think this this Ole Miss defense can be can be uh, forced into doing a lot of things I think that they don't want to, especially if Ole Miss is not able to get pressure. Kind of without mentioning that we were going in that direction, we've just started to talk about defensive backs. I mean, that was pretty much the main focus of what we were just talking about for the last two minutes so final evaluation there I think Auburn's defensive backs I don't even think it's close Auburn's got real talent on the back end folks here in Auburn may be thinking man these guys aren't as good as what we thought they were going to be I Mm -hmm. think that's a factor of the scheme the fact that there are NFL guys out there some of the best in the business that are seeing Roger McCreary making some big money right now and that's a safe pick in the first round and through those first 32 picks um, I think that that's a huge testament to it. I think Roger McCreary has been really good right now. Nehemiah Pritchett has had some struggles. I'd like to see more of Jalen Simpson. Smoke Monday, I think, has still had some blown coverages that you could attribute to him. But all in all, this group has gotten better on a week-to-week basis in learning this new scheme. And I think this is another week after a bye week and being rested and getting to look at Ole Miss for two weeks. I expect them to play pretty well and much better than Ole Miss's secondary will play against Auburn's. I agree. Yeah, I agree. I just think that right now, when you match up these two secondaries, and I do agree, I've get, I'm giving the edge to Auburn here. You match up these two secondaries against these two offenses. Ole Miss, once again, they're letting opponents essentially do whatever they want in the passing game. And if they don't get pressure, it's going to be really bad. Do I think that Auburn's offensive line is going to give up a lot of pressure this weekend? No, especially considering it's at Jordan-Hare Stadium and all of the, the factors that a home crowd will bring. But you look at this Ole Miss team, I just don't know if they're going to be able to hold Auburn, man. I just don't know if they will. More of On the Line on the other side of this break. We talk with Lee Scott football head coach Buster Daniel and Oblika high football head coach Eric Speakman. On the Line on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM and ESPN 106.7. Back on On the Line, Noah Gardner here with you on ESPN 106.7 and Fox Sports Central Alabama. We're going to bounce around and talk to a few high school coaches here in this segment as Lee Scott football prepares for Morgan Academy and Opelika is on a bye week as they've already captured the region championship and finished the regular season 7-3. We'll speak with Buster Daniel and Opelika football head coach Eric Speakman. Joined now by Lee Scott football head coach Buster Daniel. Coach, how are you doing today? Man, I am wonderful, Noah. How are you today? Doing really well. Last week of the regular season, but before we get to that, I want to go back to the last time you guys were out there two weeks ago, two Fridays ago, playing against Hooper Academy, a 42-0 win. Take me through the performance for your guys. 
Well, I thought it was a good, uh, good game for our guys. You know, we had to – we played a team that, that wasn't as good as we were, and uh, our guys performed exactly like they should have. You know, they went out and took control of the game to begin with and uh, it never let up. So, you know, that's what you expect when you're a little better than the team you're playing. So our guys had a, had a, had a good game. On top of that, you guys go into a bye week. Take me through what those two weeks of work was like for you guys. Well, you know, the the, the open week, you know, we, we uh, gave guys a couple of days off to, to heal up some bruises and bumps. And, uh, you know, then we uh, we practiced two days that week. And just had a – on Wednesday, we had a good physical day. You know, we got on the boards and did a little bumping around and a little, little – had a little physical practice. And uh, Thursday, toned it back a little bit, did a little more team stuff. But uh, – and then we started back on Monday, a full regular week of practice for a game. This week, you guys are headed to Selma, hour and 45-minute trip to take on Morgan Academy, last game of the regular season, but it's a non-region game. Take me through what the messaging is to the team as you guys get ready for the playoffs. Well, we're telling our guys that, uh, you know, this is uh, the most important game we got, you know, because it's the next game on our schedule. And, uh, you know, we want to win them all, so that's the next game on our schedule, so we've prepared. Uh, just like it was a state championship game, so it doesn't matter. You know, we're, we're playing a team, and we respect everybody we play, so we give them the same amount of respect and uh, and, and treat them the same way every game. So, uh, you know, we, we we prepared the same way, uh, you know, got our kids ready to play and, 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 and let them understand this game is important. Don't give any secrets away or anything like that, but, of course, <laughs> as the season goes on, coaches install new things all the time. I'm curious, are you guys still continuing to – Add more and more to your repertoire on offense. I know you guys aired it out a lot last time against Hooper. What's the offensive progression look like? Yeah, you know, coaches always want to add stuff, and uh, we're going to add just just enough uh, that we think our guys are comfortable doing. Uh, we're going to add something to make them confused and not be able to perform. So, you know, if we can add stuff and not confuse them and, and play well, uh, we're going to do that. Going on the road to Morgan Academy tonight, what have you seen on film from the Senators? You know, Morgan's a well-coached team. You know, they do a lot of things to, you know, try to get you distracted on offense. They they, they line up in multiple uh, formations, uh, trying to give you a lot of eye candy and get you, um, you know, out of alignment. And that's what they try to do. But they're a good football team. They're 5-4, and four, um, well-coached. Coach Range does a great job down. It's his second year. And, uh, you know, they, they, they'll they be uh, a good opponent for us. You know, we got to play well to win the football game. What are the keys to tonight's ball game? Well, we got to cut out silly penalties and uh, control the football. Uh, we don't know what the weather's going to be like, but you know we got to take care of the football and uh, and keep them contained. They got a re- good receiver, pretty good quarterback, and uh, they like to throw the ball around. And you know we got to keep them contained, and uh, you know just keep the football away from them is, is our ultimate goal. Coach, last question here too before we get out of here. I know you don't want to look ahead to the playoffs, but just talking about what this team achieved in the regular season to set themselves up with a favorable side of the bracket when the postseason rolls around next week. You know, it all started with the Glenwood game. You know, that was one of the one of the biggest games or wins in uh, you know school history. You know, I'm not gonna say it's the biggest one, but it's the biggest for our kids because it gave them momentum and and confidence that they could play uh, with the big guys in in AISA. So you know, it started right there. But you know, the, they have set the table for themselves. They've earned what they've gotten. So you know, it, it, we just got to go play every game and see what happens in the end. Coach, I appreciate it. Good luck tonight. Thanks a lot, and go Warriors. Now joined by Opelika football head coach Eric Speakman on the live with us here on the Friday edition of the show. Coach, how you doing today? Hey, doing good. Doing good. I hope y'all are doing well. 
an off week for you guys as you all have already wrapped up the regular season 10 weeks straight no bye weeks it's got to feel good to finally uh to finally have some time with you guys yeah it was good to have a week off and you know we actually played last thursday so we actually had last friday off and we're able to go scout uh, a couple teams that we may see in the future and uh, we'll actually uh, send a, a group up tonight. Uh, we'll head up to watch Northridge play, which will be our first-round opponent next week uh, in the playoffs. But, yeah, you're right. It's been good to have a week off and get the kids rested and a few guys recovered and from some injuries and uh, just get back to working on some fundamentals. You finished the regular season 7-3 and overall, 7-0 and in the region, capturing the region championship. I, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but – when was the last time that you guys lost in the region? Because I, I feel like every year Opelika is going undefeated in the region. Yeah, it was actually in 2018 we lost a game at Wetumpka. Uh, we were kicking a field goal to win it, and they actually blocked it. Uh, so we lost by two. And then the year before we lost a region game at Ben Russell. So uh, our football program, since we've gone to seven classes, uh, we are 46-2 and two in region play since uh, 2014. So pretty impressive for our players to pull that off and this this group of seniors actually went 19 and 0 in region play over the last three years what's the i guess it's it's coaches are going to be straightforward i guess it's not a secret what's the what's the means to success for you guys to have that type of dominance in 6a uh well first off you know we've had some really good players the last few years and uh i think also our schedule in our non-region games by playing auburn central and and callaway the last couple of years kind of gives us a a bearing on where we are early in the season and, you know, allows us, our kids to play some really good competition uh, that we, you know, you typically don't see. You're not going to see an Auburn or, or Phoenix City uh, early on in your, usually in your region. You'll have a couple of tough games, but you're not going to see anybody of that caliber. And I think it just gets those kids ready and then they just take a lot of pride in the fact that, that you know, it, they've continued to win a uh, region title and you know, stay undefeated. Coach, you finish on a four-game winning streak, beating Russell County, Lee Montgomery. Those were your two top contenders in the region. And then you wrapped it up with Valley and Park Crossing, two shutouts in a row there. What did you see out of your team over the last four weeks of the season to capture this region championship? Yeah, you know, coming off that, that central loss, which we did not play well, and they did, and, you know, it's kind of a lopsided deal. And we just kind of came back and told them, hey, we got to refocus, and uh, we got four region games ahead of us. And, want to make sure that we we finish those games on a high note and I thought our kids really bought into that the last couple of weeks of really working hard at practice and getting better each week and you know we made a quarterback change uh, after the central game that's kind of sparked our offense and uh, Roman Gagliano is now starting at quarterback and he's a, a tall kid that can really see over the defense and and see over the offensive line also and see some you know some of the passing lanes that our other guys couldn't see and we've been able to complete some balls down the field and uh, that's allowed our running game to kind of pick up a little bit. And then defensively, we've, we've been playing really good as far as just running to the football and tackling, causing a lot of turnovers, uh, a lot of a lot of big plays by some of those guys, and it's a fun group to coach. I know you guys are sending some folks out to Northridge to go and watch them play, but what do you know about the team in the first round that you'll be taking on in a couple of weeks? Uh, you know, we've watched a little bit of film on them already. Uh, we haven't showed the players. We won't do any of that till next week. Uh, we, we tend to, around here, just focus on people the week we play them. Uh, today's kids don't have a big attention span of more than about 15 seconds. So we try not to give them too much too early. Uh, but we've kind of viewed what they've done. And, um, you know, early on, just kind of buzzing through some stuff. They 
play three different quarterbacks. They've got some really good athletes and a, a big offensive line. Uh, seem to put most of their players on offense, but you know we'll see more of that tonight when we ride up to watch them play Tuscaloosa County. Well, Coach, I hope you have a safe trip tonight. I appreciate you taking the time to speak with us today. Hey, no problem, guys. Talk to you all next week. Back on On the Line, Noah Gardner, Lance Dahl with you on ESPN 106.7 at Fox Sports Central Alabama. Number to call, 334-321-1390. Appreciate all the phone calls that we've got today. We've heard from Spectre, Ed, Ty the Tiger, Travis. Hope I'm not leaving anybody out. We've had a great lineup of calls today. And it keeps rolling here on the Thursday edition of the show. we got Christian Clemente of AuburnSports.com with us. Christian, how you doing today, my man? I'm good. I'm good. It feels a little weird on a Thursday, but doing pretty good. Excellent. Well, we've had a lot of calls today about rumors and whatnot and conjecture and we've just been trying to quiet everything down and whatnot but it seems like some of the stuff that people may have been reading on social media throughout the week maybe they should be pumping the brakes what do you know yeah it's not it's not as serious as some of the rumors that i've seen on social media Uh, to my knowledge there's two guys that i don't expect to be available on saturday Uh, they're backups they don't really play all that often to begin with anyway um, as I, as far as I know, there's a chance they could return to the team later on this season, and we'll be able to release those names probably closer to game time, or Auburn will probably release the names as well. But look, there's no starters that are going to be out because of suspension or anything like that. It should be it should be mostly a full house in terms of everybody being available. Okay, let's get into the actual ball game now. Of course, there's been a lot of stuff made about this week about Brian Harson, COVID-19. Of course, it's like we're rehashing what was going on a month before the season, but this team says they're focused on football, and that seems to be the right messaging coming out of a program that's got a top-10 opponent coming to Jordan-Hare Stadium. Yeah, I don't think I, I don't think the suspensions were a big uh I don't think they were a big deal, and I don't think the COVID vaccine thing was a big distraction either for Auburn. I think they've been really focused on this matchup. From what I've heard, they had a good week of practices during the bye week, got some guys healthier, got some guys going better, and then this week has been an intense week of practice, and they are extremely focused on Old Miss and doing everything that they can to have a really strong showing on Saturday. What do you think is the most important thing for this Auburn defense to do to kind of limit what this Ole Miss offense wants to do? Obviously, Matt Corral can do a bunch of different things. He can throw the ball. He can run the ball. They've got a great stable of backs. They've got some talented receivers. But what is the most important key for this Auburn defense in order to kind of limit what Matt Corral and this offense wants to do? Yeah, well, I'm going to cheat a little bit, and I'm going to give you two. Um, I mean, you hit the nail on the head. Matt Corral is the big one. They need to make sure that they set the edge, keep him contained, and then they also need to keep him on his toes a little bit, send some blitzes his way, and then also make sure that they have a spy on him as well, which could be Zacoby McLean, could be Owen Papo if he's ready to go, which it sounds like he's trending in the right direction to go this weekend. And then the second big thing for me for the Auburn defense is they need to win on second and third down. I mean, Ole Miss goes for it on fourth down way more than any other school in the country, and if Auburn can put them in, you know, even just the difference between a fourth and three and a fourth and five would be massive because that that could likely force them to punt the ball and Auburn's offense can get the ball back again. So if they can win those second and third downs and not let Ole Miss into fourth and short opportunities, I think that'll be big. 
Still taking a look at the schematics of this football game. Auburn has a five-year winning streak over Ole Miss. They had a five-year winning streak over Arkansas coming into this season. And something that I said when Auburn was getting ready to play Arkansas, I said there's a reason why Auburn has winning streaks over these two teams. They've been better than these two teams consistently in the trenches. What do you think about Auburn on the offensive and defensive lines playing Ole Miss and vice versa? Yes, I mean, that's an interesting topic. It's kind of a it's a situation where Auburn wants to prove, hey, we're still Auburn. I know Ole Miss is ranked ahead of us right now, but we're still the big guns in the SEC West, and they want to prove that. And in terms of the offensive line, I've been pleasantly surprised by their performance this year. You know, they've been a pretty, I would say they're a pretty decent pass blocking unit compared to last year where they really struggled. Now they do need to improve in run blocking, but I've still been pleasantly surprised with the offensive line. Um, We expect Austin Troxel to be back, and I probably would expect him to slot back in at left tackle and Killian Zaire would move back to the bench, but that's still some good depth that they have now, and they've seen kind of what Killian can do. As for the defensive line, I mean, you look at a guy like Colby Wooden, you look at Derek Hall, a couple of versatile pieces, Marcus Harris I would throw in there too. Those are guys that can really move around a lot and be really big um, for this defensive line on Saturday. You look at this group of Auburn running backs, and over the course of SEC play, it feels like there's kind of been a steady decline in terms of production, both from Tank Bigsby and Jarquez Hunter. Looking at Miss, or looking at Ole Miss, they are currently – 13th in the SEC and rushing yards allowed per game. Do you expect this Auburn backfield to maybe get back to the uh, success that they were having in the the, uh, the non-conference slate? Yeah, I think so. I think we're going to see a really, really good game out of Tank Bigsby. Um, I mean, he was banged up just a little bit earlier in the season. It slowed him down, and some of the run blocking hasn't been as good, like I just mentioned. But I think Tank is going to have a really good opportunity on Saturday. I think he's really fired up and wants to prove go out there and prove something. Um, and you look at it as well, the past couple games, um, teams have kind of stacked the box against Auburn, and they said, hey, we're going to make Bo Nix beat us. Well, against LSU and against Arkansas, he went and beat them. So I think it's going to be a really good opportunity where teams aren't going to be able to stack the box quite as much anymore because Bo has proven that he can go out there and win those games. So I think that gives the running backs a little bit more of an opportunity as well going into Saturday. You mentioned the offensive line and talking about the left tackle position with Austin Troxel being back. You expect him to start again at left tackle, but kind of what is your take on that battle or perceived battle at left tackle between Austin Troxel and Killian Zaire, who played really well a couple of weeks ago? Yeah, I thought Killian played really good, and I think that could be a look into the future for Killian as the potential starting left tackle next year. Uh, if Troxel, I believe he would be gone after this year unless he took advantage of his COVID year and that extra eligibility. But as of now, I think Troxel is just a little bit more stable. He's got a little bit more stability there over at left tackle. He's proven to be a pretty solid pass blocker, to be honest. I think he's graded out the highest in terms of Auburn's offensive line in pass blocking by PFF. So I think they feel just a little more comfortable with him and his experience. But like I said, Killian Zaire ended up providing some I mean, he was important for that Arkansas game, but now it really shows that you do have depth at that spot and that you've got a guy that can come in and play if needed. I know you cover recruiting for AuburnSports.com. What's the recruit list, the the visitor list look like for guys coming to a top-10 matchup? Yeah, so there's going to be some of the usual uh, suspects, guys like Tay Woody, a couple of 2023 guys out of Central Phoenix City, Tamarian Parker, Carmelo English, 
Uh, as for some 2022 kids, Marquise Gilbert, a safety, uh, a JUCO safety that's teammates with Juwan Gaston, he'll be here on an official visit. And then there's another guy that's committed to LSU that we expect to be here this weekend, but I'm not entirely sure right now, and that would be DeMario Tolan, a linebacker commit. So there's a decent little list of commits that'll or recruits that'll be here this weekend. Not quite as big as the Georgia game, but there's going to be some good commits or recruits here, excuse me. And then also, you look at basketball, there's a good chance, intent, that something good happens this weekend. Very nice. Uh, well, take me through the basketball visitor list then, too, because I know that there is a basketball player, too, that's coming to check out this ball game. Yep, the big one is Chance Westry. Uh, we have him on Rivals listed him, listed as a point guard, but he's six foot six. He could play shooting guard. He could even play small forward in Bruce Pearl's system. Um, he'll be here on an official visit this weekend, and then he is making his announcement on Sunday. I do not think that timing is a coincidence, and I think Auburn's going to get a nice little boost to their 2022 recruiting class in basketball this weekend. There's a 2024 kid that will be here as well out of Montgomery, uh, LeBaron Phylon. I watched him play at Bruce Pearl's Elite Camp over the summer, and he was very good. So that's a guy pretty far down the line to look out for a little bit, but he'll be here this weekend as well. And then real quick, he's not here this weekend, but Jarris Walker is making his final official visit this weekend. He'll be in Houston, and then he makes an announcement on November 4th. I continue to feel that it's an Auburn-Houston battle. Um, I, I wish I had more than that. All I really know is it's Auburn-Houston with Alabama in third place right now. Yeah, I was about to ask you what was going on with Jarris Walker, and so that's interesting. I hope Auburn can pull through on that but i know auburn fans will probably be happy with the sentiment if not auburn then please not alabama i want to ask you about football any chances for auburn to make headway there for some more commitments i know they seem to be picking up some steam at least that's the headlines that you see every week yeah they've been they've been moving forward a little bit they've been getting some of those commits i think there's still some guys that could be relatively close to making a decision and making it publicly you know a guy like Darius Clemens the four-star receiver out of Portland Oregon um, there's some of those other guys as well but they're making headway it might not it might not show up immediately with a commitment you know here in the next week or two but they're making some headway they're making progress I think they're doing a good job kind of turning this recruiting class around a little bit and I think they'll be able to end with some pretty solid commitments here towards the end. I know that in this game, once switching back to the Auburn Ole Miss matchup, I know there's going to be a lot of eyes on Matt Corral. But talk for a second, if you will, about what this Ole Miss defense is going to try and do against Bo Nix. We were talking about it earlier in the show. Ole Miss giving up, in terms of completion percentage, a lot of different completions. Auburn likes to go to the tight ends whenever they feel the need to get the passing game going. Do you see Bo Nix being comfortable in this matchup, or do you think Ole Miss's defense is going to be able to, to strain him a little bit? You know, I don't really think they're going to be able to strain him too much. Um, I think a lot of people are still kind of holding their breath a little bit and wondering, you know, has Bo really turned the corner? Um, is he playing this way for the for the remainder of his career, or is this kind of just a little three-game stint where he's been playing pretty good? Uh, I'm of the belief that I think maybe not fully turned the corner, but I think he's maybe flipped the page. He's moved on and started to play a little bit better. Ole Miss's defense is really nothing special. They've been playing a little bit better recently, but I don't think they're going to be able to do enough to limit or stop Bo Nix. Last question here to you before we get out of here. What's your prediction for the ballgame? Oh, man. I've been going 
back and forth on this one because I have a lot of respect for Ole Miss. I think they're a good team. I think they're a team that any any Saturday they, they could just drop 60 points, and it's like, well, good luck. Try and keep up. So I do think this one's going to be a little bit of a shootout. I think just simply because Auburn's coming off the bye week and they'll be rested, getting some guys back and being in a good spot, I'm going with Auburn 41-38, but it's going to be a close one. Auburn putting it up in a shootout. I like it. Christian, appreciate it, my man. Tell everybody all the content they can expect and where they can find it. Yeah, so I'll have some different recruiting stuff up tomorrow and a Q&A and some other stuff up throughout the weekend over at auburnsports.com. And then you can follow me on Twitter at Clemente underscore. Appreciate it, my man. I hope you have a great weekend. Thank you. You guys as well. Back on On the Line, Noah Gardner and Lance Dahl with you on ESPN 106.7 at Fox Sports Central Alabama. Reminder to everybody out there, pre-recorded show today. I'm headed to Morgan Academy in Selma for Lee Scott football's last regular season football game of the year. You can find that game on AU 100, 100.3 FM at 6.30 p.m. for the pregame show. And then at 7 for kickoff, we'll have coverage once again, 6.30 for the pregame show in seven for kickoff. No Gardner and Lance Dahl with you. It's time for Saturday selections as we wrap up hour number one of On the Line. Saturday selections. All right, Lance, we got four games right here before we go to break. Let's get into it. The big one in the Big Ten, number six, Michigan. At number eight, Michigan State, 11 a.m., Fox. Both these teams 7-0, and undefeated in conference play, 4-0 and in conference play as well. Look, both these teams score pretty efficiently. Both teams average over at least 34 points a game. Both defenses are not too shabby. Michigan allows 14.3 points per game. Michigan State, 18.7. These teams are a little similar, but I will. what I will say is Michigan State really likes to throw the football along with running the ball with Kenneth Walker, a Heisman candidate. Michigan really likes to run the ball, doesn't really like to throw the ball much at all. 250 yards rushing per game for the Wolverines. I'm going to take Michigan State to win this game for a couple of reasons. Number one, while Michigan's defense may be pretty good, you've got to take a look at the opponents that they have faced. Western Michigan, Washington, Northern Illinois, Rutgers, Wisconsin, Nebraska, and Northwestern. I know Michigan State's not really faced any teams that are much better, but you look at this Michigan State offense, I just think they're a little bit more explosive in a lot of different areas than uh, than Michigan is. So explosive plays may be the name of the game for this one for the Spartans. I think they make a couple, and that's what puts puts them over the edge. Currently, Michigan's favored by four, giving the Spartans to win and cover. And when the two teams have actually played some decent programs or some decent teams or some of their thicker competition, what's happened? The offense has been slowed down a bit. Mm-hmm. And both of these teams have just kind of scraped by. Think about Michigan State's most recent win. It was 20-15 to 15 over Indiana. When the other side plays good defense, they end up actually being limited. I don't want to go as far as to say that both of these teams are one-dimensional, but they're pretty close. The team that just happens to be less one-dimensional in this case is Michigan State, and that's why I'm going with Sparty. They don't like to throw the football. Michigan State only throws it just a little bit more. Michigan only averaging about 20 to 21 pass attempts per game. I think Sparty's going to be able to key in on the run. They'll be able to get the difference here, which is through the passing game. I agree with everything you said. Staying in the Big Ten, number nine, Iowa at Wisconsin. This at 11 a.m. on ESPN. And Wisconsin is favored by three and a half points at home over the number nine ranked Iowa Hawkeyes, which is absolutely wild to me. 
Look, I'm going to take Iowa to win this game because I'm still not a believer in Graham Mertz. And we've seen what Iowa has done to teams this season, forced them into turnovers. Graham Mertz on the season, two touchdowns, seven picks. That offense for Wisconsin has been inept. And I know that they've got a little bit of a running game. It's not going to be enough to stop Iowa. This is classic Big Ten football at 11 a.m. I think it's going to be a low-scoring game. But give me Iowa on the road to go and get it done. I'm trying to figure out where Iowa's going to find the points. Now, it's fair to ask me the same question. Where Where is Wisconsin going to find the points? Because Iowa currently averaging seven more points per game. Iowa averaging 28 a game, Wisconsin 21 a game. But I'm going to take Wisconsin at home. I think they're building a little bit of momentum here. Purdue is a very good defense in their own right. Purdue heading into that Wisconsin-Purdue game last week. Purdue had outgained every opponent that they played. And what happened? Wisconsin beat them 30-13. to 13. I think maybe they're finding something here on offense. I think Iowa's going to have a really hard time moving the football. You're going to look at something that's going to finish like 16-14 to 14 at the end of the day here in Camp Randall. But I feel better about the team at home. And with that two-and-a-half point line favoring the Badgers, and I think this offense beginning to find itself a little bit, or at least getting a little bit better. I don't know. Something about that Wisconsin defense. Only giving up 50 rush yards per game. 50, Lance. What? That's Georgia-esque. It's pretty solid for a Wisconsin team that has not been solid overall for the past couple of years. Give up 70 less yards per game than Iowa as well. I don't know. I'm bailing on Iowa at this point. Something in my gut tells me Wisconsin. A few more games here quickly. Texas at number 16, Baylor. Look, Texas has lost two in a row to Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. They get their third-ranked team in as many weeks this week at Baylor. Give me the Bears to win at home. That offense has been fantastic. They're 6-1 they're and one on the year. I think they continue to climb, and they're going to make a push for the Big Ten Championship. That defense has been fantastic, too. This game at 11 a.m. on ABC. That defense is good, man. I didn't think that we'd be talking about Baylor having one of the best defenses in the Big 12, but they're only giving up 333 yards per game, only 198 through the air, 18.7 points allowed per game. And I think this defense is legit for a major reason. Their head coach is Dave Aranda. Mm -hmm. God knows how to coach defense, and this offense is really good too, 38.3 points per game. You look at Texas on the defensive side, they're giving up only almost 30 points allowed per game. The difference in the defenses here. Baylor's a lot more buttoned up, a lot more controlled. I'll take Baylor in this one as well. Miami at number 17, Pittsburgh. This one at 11 a.m. on ACC Network. Panthers favored by nine. I think they're going to cover. I think the Pittsburgh Panthers win this game, and they win it by a lot. Kenny Pickett is rolling. This team is rolling overall. I think the defense is a question mark for Pittsburgh down the line, but give me the, uh, give me the big victory over Miami. I'm going to take Pittsburgh in this one. I didn't mean to do this. On my sheet, I wrote Pickett, not Pitt. <laughs> I wrote Pickett. Just and that alone. is my reason, Pickett. I think this dude should be second in the Heisman conversation right now. He's been that good. Was he got like 23 touchdowns, 24 touchdowns to one pick? Yeah, 23 touchdowns, one interception, 2,236 yards. It's been really, really good. I like Kenny Pickett a lot. And I expect Pittsburgh to win this game as well. I think Miami's a lot better with Tyler Van Dyke calling his shots as well. Big win last week for Miami. But I still like this Pittsburgh team. It's going to be a good football game, though. 11 a.m., I could see him being a little sleepy. I think it's possible. That's it for hour number one of On the Line. We'll come back with hour number two. We'll be speaking with Jacob Hillman, the jungle president, with us here on On the Line. We'll be back in just a moment.
are on the line. Live on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga and in Auburn on ESPN 1067 or online on FoxSports983.com and ESPNAU.com. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Lance Daw. Join the show by calling in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Back on On the Line, Noah Gardner and Lance Gall with you. Hour number two of the show here on ESPN 106.7 at Fox Sports Central Alabama. Fun show so far today. We've heard from Christian Clemente as well as Lee Scott football head coach Buster Daniel and Opelika head football coach Eric Speakman. A lot of good stuff on the show today as we preview Auburn Ole Miss, but we start off hour number two on the phone lines with Jacob Hillman, the Jungle President and Intern Alum here at ESPN 106.7 and Auburn Network. Jacob, how's it going, my man? It's going great. I, I, I appreciate the, the big welcome, Noah. Well, man, look, you're a superstar. You've got so much going on. You're the Auburn Jungle President. I know you interned for the Auburn Sports Network, and you have a lot to do with their podcast as well. You're big time, man. I gotta give you the right welcome. I, I gotta reel out the red carpet. I wouldn't go that far. I wouldn't go that far, but I appreciate it. Well, I want to know, and we want to dive into this a little bit for people out there that don't know. The Jungle is the Auburn student section, and I know for a long time it's just kind of been garnered towards basketball. But take me through some of the stuff. Before we get into the nitty-gritty of basketball and talking sports, you're also the Weagle Sports Director at Weagle 91.1 FM, so you know your stuff there. Before we get to baseball and everything, I want to know, what all have been have you been digging your hands into with the Auburn student section? And what changes have you seen? And what's been happening here under your first few months of leadership in, in, the, in the office of President of the Jungle? So the biggest thing is that we have become an official organization with SGA and things like that because we want to make sure we have a voice within that realm. And doing that has really been able to expand ourselves. We have official members. and like Any Auburn student can be an official member of the jungle. I think that's the big thing. We want to try to be the biggest organization on campus because really the only thing that you need to do to be a part is sign up on AU Involve and then arrive to attend Auburn basketball games. It doesn't have to be every single one, uh, but – it's always a lot of fun to make sure you attend those games and, and really be a part of the jungle. But also it's just more about making sure we bounce back from the, the COVID uh, arenas with 20% capacity. We bounce back the right way because what we've, what we've realized is we basically have two freshman classes. Those sophomores, this is their first year in Jordan Hare Stadium. And it's going to be their first year in the jungle, uh, in the real fun atmosphere of that. So we have to make sure that we – make that transition smoothly and everyone is on the right page for the future whenever everyone that's on staff uh, is gone so that way it's in the right hands and that we don't lose what is so great about the jungle auburn men's basketball has their scrimmage tonight in auburn arena take everybody through the orange and blue scrimmage what time what to expect how to get there what's going on why they should be there i know you're going to be there Oh, yeah, I I will be there. I'll be there early, too. Doors open at 5 o'clock as Auburn Volleyball takes on LSU at 6 o'clock. That's when first serve is, and it's going to be a blast. It's going to be a fun SEC matchup uh, for for volleyball. And uh, for students, they're giving away 55-inch smart TV. They're giving away AirPods, all kinds of things, an air fryer, all kinds of things. So 
Uh, make sure you show up for early for volleyball and make sure you get a good seat for the orange and blue scrimmage, which will happen immediately uh, after the last point of the volleyball game where the orange and blue scrimmage will just be two teams scrimmaging. Not sure exactly what the teams are yet, but also the dunk contest that had to be canceled at uh, tip off at Tumors, it's, it's back. It's going to be happening during the Orange and Blue scrimmage. So uh, guys like Devin Cambridge, Leor Berman, and Chandler Leopard, they're going to get to participate and, and really show off their high-flying dunks uh, that they wanted to at Tumors Corner and were unable to due to the court conditions. So it's going to be a lot of fun, and make sure their admission is free and uh, just arrive early. Make sure you have your seat. I know we're going to get to see a lot of really fun dunks in the dunk competition, specifically from Devin Cambridge. But talking about this team as a whole, you mentioned the scrimmages. We don't know who, what the two teams are going to look like. But take me through what you're going to be looking at during this scrimmage in terms of like maybe see how Auburn's new guards play. How does Jabari Smith play, I think, is going to be a question for a lot of people. Walker Kessler, what are you going to be looking at as the most important thing heading into the season? What, are you, what, what specifically are you looking at with this team? Yeah, I think like you mentioned, the first thing, the guards, is what I will be focused on first and exactly how they play because we all want to know what that starting point guard is going to look like, whether it's Wendell Green or Zeb Jasper. Zeb Jasper, he's a defensive-minded guy. Wendell Green, he's a great passer and scorer. So I'm interested to see who performs best out of those two and see who might be the starter opening night against Moorhead State. And then also, like you said, Jabari Smith. I want to see how the offense is ran through him. It'll be interesting to see uh, with what lineups they try and mix and mesh with him and you know what exactly he does and what his role will be. He's going to be shooting the ball. He's going to be in the post. And the good thing with Walker Kessler is he can come on out and he can do the same thing that Jabari Smith does on the outside at a lesser level, but he can shoot the three and he can, he can move around with the basketball a little bit. Taking a look at this scrimmage. Before we get to the scrimmage, I want to know. You mentioned some guys for the dunk contest. Who are you taking? Because I saw Paul. That no. you, I don't know if you put this up. Did you put that up on the Auburn Jungle, uh, Auburn Jungle Twitter account? Do you run that account? Yes, yes, yes. yes. I'm this, glad I know the person is, behind it. Yes. Oh, yeah. Well, this is an easy answer. This is Devin Cambridge, and he is going to jump out of the gym. I'm looking forward to what he does for the fans, and I think it's going to get everyone super excited. But – don't I'm, I say for me it's an easy answer, but don't count out Chandler or Leor because they've got some bounce as well. Is it just going to be those three guys participating, or is the whole team going to be there's showing a, off there's, some stuff? There's a, there's a four to be determined. Okay, that's exciting. So it'll be a, it, it'll be a surprise. It's going to be a surprise. Oh, I think I have this. I think I have this. It's it's a former base. It's it, not a former. It's a current baseball player, isn't it? it, it, it I <laughs> I don't know about that, but I think I, it'd probably be from the current team. We'll we'll see. This You'll is exciting. Find out. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, dunk contest once again tonight in the scrimmage. Of course, we've seen some preseason media polls put out. SEC Media Day was. Um, I don't know if SEC Media Day's already happened. For or, basketball? Yeah, for I basketball. I think it was a week or so yeah. ago, I believe. Well, the media poll put out was that, that's right, I don't think they did in person. It was, it was all, all like Zoom, Zoom press Zoom, conference. Yeah. yeah. Well, the media poll was put out and Auburn's picked to finish fifth. Where do you stand with that? Yeah, I think that's a good spot. Coach Pearl, he, he said uh, a few weeks ago that he expected to be picked between fourth and sixth, so he nailed that. And I think that's a good spot for this team early on. For preseason, I think they have the potential to finish in the top three, maybe even contend for that SEC championship. But right now, it's just like, like we don't know exactly what it's going to look like early on with, with the new guards and obviously all the newcomers. So I think fifth is a good spot for now. Personally, I think Auburn will finish fourth in the SEC and get that double bye in Tampa for the SEC tournament. 
I, I just think it, it, it's really going to depend on how this team gels, especially after Alan Flanagan returns in December. So the early part of SEC play is going to be so important because there are some major matchups early on. You play LSU, Florida, Alabama early on. If you can survive a lot of those games, you're in a good spot to contend for the SEC championship. Looking at uh, looking at Alan Flanagan and his injury, like you mentioned, he's not going to be playing for the Tigers, I don't believe, until mid-December. Who do you expect to be the guy that steps up and fills that void the most? You're looking at guys like Chris Moore, Jalen Williams, Devin Cambridge. Who do you think is going to be the guy that really steps up and contributes the most in his absence? Yeah, the starter will – who the starter will be, it'll probably be between Jalen Williams and Devin Cambridge. Now, I do think that the biggest – impact will be felt off the bench from Chris Moore. I think he's, he's really slimmed down. He can move the ball a lot. And I, I just think that he's a good player that he's still developing. But these first few months while Flanagan is out, it's going to be so important and crucial for him to really continue his development and make an impact on this basketball team. Because without Flanagan, you lose, you lose a good bit of defense. And, and obviously we saw that he can score the ball really well last year when he had to play point guard. So I think I think Chris Moore off the bench is going to have a massive impact. While obviously Williams and Cambridge in that starting role, they, they, they matter too. But my thing is I trust those two guys to perform well there. I want to see it from Chris Moore as he gets an increased playing time. All right, everybody, Auburn scrimmage tonight, Auburn Arena. If you're looking for something to do on your Friday night, it's free to attend. So that is something to be, that's something to do tonight. That's something if you're not going to an Auburn high school football game, if you're not – um, if you're not doing, you know, trick-or-treating related activities, whatever's going on, uh, that, that is something that you could add to your list of things to do tonight on Friday night in the Plains. Let's switch to Saturday night as we get one night closer to Halloween. Auburn taking on Ole Miss. Jacob, once again, as student section president, I have to ask you about this. You know what the mm-hmm. scene was like two years ago with the student section empty at halftime. What's your message? Yeah, and we've been trying to relay this message. It's going to be cold on Saturday, so make sure that you bundle up and you bring a jacket. It will be a little bit different than two years ago because it was like 75 degrees and sunny throughout the day, whereas this Saturday it should be pretty cold throughout the day. So hopefully everyone is smart, dresses right, and they are ready to cheer for from Eagle Flight to alma mater on Saturday. That That's just the most important part is just sticking it through because this Ole Miss team coming in, is an explosive offense. They're a lot of fun to watch, but Auburn, they're, they're looking for the student section to really come through uh, because Coach Harson, he's looking for a rowdy atmosphere. What's your take on the game going into it on Saturday? Top 10 Ole Miss team comes to the Plains. Both of these fan bases are super optimistic about this game on Saturday night. Yeah, I think the big thing is obviously Matt Corral, a Heisman favorite, and what Auburn game plans to stop him because I think the crucial part is his legs. Whenever he runs the ball, that Ole Miss offense is borderline unstoppable. He did it a lot against Arkansas. He did it against LSU. And obviously that Arkansas team, Auburn put up 38 points again. So you look at it that way, and I think there's going to be a lot of points scored on Saturday. But I also think that the most critical thing is maybe that Auburn defense, all year long they've bent and not broken a lot, but it's making sure that continues. When if Ole, Miss, Ole Miss is going to move the ball. We know that. And what it's the important thing is making sure you force some field goals, get a turnover here or there, and if you do that, Auburn's going to be in a great chance to win because offensively, I think that Bo Nix is really finding his groove. I think you can you, this Ole Miss defense is better than years past, but you're still going to be able to run the football, which Auburn, they, they struggle to do a little bit, but Tank Bigby, Jarquez Hunter, Sean Shiver, they're still back there, and they're still talented. So 
I, I think this is a week that the running game finds its, uh, finds its groove, and just like Bo Nix has. There was a comparison that I saw yesterday, and I want to get your thoughts on this, talking about how talented this Ole Miss team is and how to make me puke. How well it operates with Matt Corral. A, a, a podcast host, an Ole Miss podcast host, said yesterday on, a, an, on an Auburn show that he believes that the 2021 Ole Miss Rebels are much like Auburn's 2010 team with Cam Newton. He said that Matt Corral is kind of like our Cam Newton, and he said that Jake Springer on Ole Miss's defense is kind of like our Nick Fairley. Do you uh, what do you what do you think about that take? Oh, I mean, ugh, I don't know about that one. I I see, uh, sure, you can you can say that, but I just I think that that the Ole Miss team is a little bit better well rounded than that 2010 Auburn team because Cam Newton and Nick Fairley were so dominant that it's really hard to hard to compare anybody to that unless they are actually going to for sure win the Heisman, because I think at this point in the season, in 2010, it was pretty set in stone who's going to win the Heisman as Cam Newton. Right now, this year, it's anyone's, it's anyone's game. I think Bo Nix is still a dark horse for the Heisman. But <laughs> when you look at the defensive side, he does. I, I do think Springer makes a big impact for Ole Miss, and just not as big as Nick Fairley. Nick Fairley and Cam Newton single-handedly won football games for Auburn. I don't think that Corral and Springer had that same impact. How do you expect Auburn's offense – to score some points this Saturday against an Ole Miss defense that quote unquote is improved, which I'm not buying. And you know, I'm not buying and you know, I'm not buying this Ole Miss team. We've talked so much in the preseason about this. So I want to know what's your take on how Auburn's going to look on Saturday as an offensive team. Well, yeah, I think the offense is going to look really good. I think that, like I said, Bo Nix has found his groove and, and it's just, it's so close with the running game. They're not quite there yet, but I think that this is a week that you do it because Yes, the Ole Miss, I don't even deny that they are improved, but they're still not a good defense. They're great defense even. So I think that what we're going to see on Saturday is run to set up the pass because it feels like this year there's been a lot of pass-first uh, schemes, but I think this is the week that you see Tank Bigsby run the ball 25 times. You get Jarquez Hunter, double-digit carries, and even Sean Shivers get him involved in the passing game, which is just extensions of the run game. And I don't think Ole Miss is going to be able to stop that. Whenever that happens, Obviously, that sets things up for Bo Nix to throw the deep ball because he's finally – I mean, what he did against Arkansas throwing the ball downfield was probably the best he's done it in his career. I mean, finding Demetrius Robertson and Javarius Johnson the way he did, I think that it's something we can see again on Saturday as long as the running game uh, sets them up for it. Switching gears to another Auburn Athletics team, Auburn baseball getting ready to wrap up the fall schedule. I know you've got – you're very close to that team. Tell me. Anything that you know, hot takes, whatever you got. What, what, what's been your impression of fall camp or fall practice for Auburn baseball? Well, what I'll say is that the pitching rotation is going to be wide open. I mean, right now you have no idea who any of the starting pitchers are going to be. There's a lot of guys contending for that spot. I mean, Mason Barnett, Carson Skipper, those guys that they'll probably be in the rotation. I can't tell you what day. Hayden Mullins is contending for that. Trace Bright, Joseph Gonzalez, all those kind of guys. There's some no- newcomers as well. I, my take on the pitching staff is that we're not going to really know until midseason who the starting three are on the weekend because I think it's going to be a lot of settling in and figuring out who gives you the best chance to win and also putting guys in the bullpen and seeing who really uh, uh, they, they, who plays the best out of the bullpen versus the starting role. So uh, with that, and man, let me tell you, Sonny Deshera, he is going to be a lot of fun. He is a blast. He, he hits the ball hard and – his walk-up song is going to be one of the most – I mean, this is going to be something that everyone 
look forward to. Because even in the exhibition games, I mean, everyone was clapping along to the, the walk-up song and having a good time. So I, I look forward to Sonny Sheriff taking over that first base spot. Aaron Fitt, one of my heroes in the college baseball <laughs> media industry. Aaron Fitt of D1Baseball.com is is here on the Plains, at least for Thursday night, for Auburn baseball. He's tweeting about it, watching the fall classic, the, the, the scrimmages going on between Auburn, and he had this tweet to say about Blake Burkhalter, the right-handed pitcher. said, right-handed pitcher Blake Burkhalter was electric in a 1-2-3 inning tonight here at Auburn baseball, attacked at 93-95 to with a lively high-spin fastball, got a K with a diving changeup, and another with a really good short cutter slider at 87-88. Funky and deceptive with real stuff, big year coming. Thoughts on Blake Burkhalter having a big year and some of these other pitchers I know that you were diving into there. Yeah, what I'm going to say about Berkey is that he has a great chance at being the closer for Auburn this year. He he closed the game against Clemson in that 12-inning marathon. Uh, he came in in that last inning uh, because they played the bottom of the 12th inning, or uh, they played they played all 12, the full 12 innings because it was an exhibition. But the top of the 12th inning, he was the one pitching against the Clemson lineup, which was still starters, and he really looked good. I think he has a chance to be uh, that guy in the closing role that Cody Greenhill did really well at his first few years in Auburn. And I think they were trying to get Mason Barnett that role, but he seems to be a guy that can go much longer than one inning. You can get more out of him than just that one inning shut the door. So I think that Burkhalter and those pitchers that I mentioned earlier are going to have the biggest impact on this Auburn baseball team. Switching gears to another baseball team, one that is also very close to your heart. <laughs> we wouldn't be doing this justice if we didn't talk about your Atlanta Braves. Game three of the World Series tonight. What? First of all, a two-part question here before we let you get out of here. First of all, what's your take on here, how the ser- series has gone through two games, and then how do you expect game three to go tonight? So, I mean, the first two games I'm very happy with because you got one in Houston. That was the goal. I, you know, last night, or uh, the Tuesday, uh, Wednesday night's game wasn't the, you know, it wasn't the best performance, but it's something you can back up because you're coming home, you got the off day, you didn't deplete the bullpen because Max Reed, even though he gave up those five runs the first two innings, he still went five innings, and you got to a point where, those guys that pitched last night will be available to pitch again on uh, on Friday and Saturday. So, my biggest thing was you get one in Houston. You didn't do any. You didn't get completely dominated. Uh, you got dominated in the first two innings, but from there it is really just nothing happened in the game. So, I, I, I look forward to what the home games look like. I think the Braves get it done in six games. I think you get two at home, and then you go to Houston and win Game Six. That, that, that's how I expect the rest of the way to go. So you got the Braves winning in six. Brazen <laughs> six, and that—that's that, what I'm pulling for. I know that you, uh, you, I know, I know you as a person, and I know that was really hard for you to say on live radio. I appreciate it, my man. Yeah, no, I see. Yes, you're correct. I. This is what I believe, though. That and I'm going from the head right here. I, I think Braves get it done in six games because I think they're going to get a lot of momentum uh, in those home games. Well, Jacob, I know you do a lot of stuff, so I'm just going to leave this open to you. Tell everybody where they can find you on Twitter, where where, where they can find all your work that you're doing. Um, and get everybody pumped up for this weekend at Auburn Athletics. Yeah, follow me on Twitter at Jacob Hillman AU, and and, and really just just look for me on the basketball court in the front row. That, that's what what you should really do. And this man is jumping like a fool on the basketball court. You have also been on Scott Van Pelt for some of your reactions inside Auburn basketball games. This man is a superstar on the uh, on the Auburn social media sphere and out there in the Auburn student section. The president. Of the jungle, Jacob Hillman. Appreciate it, my man. Thank you, Noah. Always enjoy being on. That was Jacob Hillman, once again, the president of the Auburn Student Section. We'll be back with more of On the Line on the other side of this break.
Friday edition of On the Line. Big thank you there to Jacob Hillman, WGL 91.1 FM Sports Director, Auburn Jungle President. This man does a lot, and he's always a great interview. Knows his baseball, knows his basketball, knows his stuff, and knows how to pump up a crowd. Once again, Auburn scrimmage tonight. Auburn men's basketball scrimmage tonight in Auburn Arena. Make sure you go check that out. There's a ton of other things you can do. Once again, this show today pre-recorded because I'm on my way to Selma, Morgan Academy, Lee Scott Football. Listen to Lee Scott Football on AU100, pregame at 6.30, kickoff at 7, as well as Auburn High School Football. They got IMG Academy in town. Big game right there. Find that on Wings 94.3, 6.30 p.m. Pre-game, 7 o'clock, kickoff. We're going to keep going with Saturday selections here on the Friday edition of the show. Saturday selections. All right, Lance, let's get through a nice chunk of games right here. Let's try and get through seven of these before we get out of here. Let's Number 22, Iowa State at West Virginia. 1 o'clock p.m. This one, Big 12 Network, I guess, ESPN Plus. That's where you can find it. This looked like a potential upset we were talking about earlier in the week with Iowa State coming off a huge win at home against the number eight Oklahoma State uh, Cowboys. Should be a fun game, but I'm going to take Iowa State to win this one, even though we talked about it potentially being an upset. Look, Jared Dagey has not been very good this season. Eight touchdowns, five interceptions. Letty Brown has not been what he was last year, either only averaging about four and a half yards per carry. They're trying to get him going. He's the workhorse, but... They've not been really scoring a whole lot of points, only 28.3 points per game so far this season. And Iowa State's defense is nothing to scoff at. So give me the Cyclones on the road. Get them to 6-2, and two, bowl eligible. Brock Purdy going to have another efficient game this week, I hope. We live in a world where Iowa State is bowl season regulars. And I would put it out of the realm of possibility that this team finds a way to try and make it interesting down the stretch of the Big 12, try and get to the Big 12 championship game, try and get to a New Year's Six Bowl game. Iowa State's playing good football right now. I label this one as a potential upset. I can't do it. I can't pull the trigger, Lance. I can't do it. West Virginia loses. Heartbreaker to Iowa State. It may not be a runaway. I think that seven-point line's pretty fair. Give me Iowa State. Number one, Georgia at Florida, 2.30 p.m. CBS. I looked at this game in our notes and I was like, I was really confused why there wasn't a number by Florida's name. And then I remembered, oh, they're on the brink of destruction. They're falling apart this year. Yeah, absolutely. Give me Florida to lose this game by a lot. Georgia's going to cover that 14 point line, I believe. Doesn't matter who starts at quarterback for Georgia. I think the question we have to be asking ourselves is how does that quarterback position maintain its efficiency regardless of who's out there taking snaps? And I think they're going to be able to do that. Georgia by a lot. I don't even need to talk about this. Hopefully, I'm putting some bad mojo there on Georgia. Give me Georgia to win this game, though. It's hard to believe that we're going to be talking about Florida next week as a 4-4 four four football team. It's just hard to believe. South Carolina-Florida is going to be a 4-4 four four matchup against each other. That's wild. Same records. That's wild. Texas Tech at number four, Oklahoma. I'm shook. <laughs> Good I'm luck sh- making picks now. No, no. No, now I got to pick Tech. No, I'm going to pick Oklahoma in this matchup. 19 and a half point favorites at home. Look, they had a little bit of a bump in the road. I mean, this entire season has been just kind of a lot of bumps in the road for, for Oklahoma at different points, even if they have been continuing to win games. They're still undefeated. They beat Kansas last week uh, with a really impressive second half showing after being asleep for the entire first half. Caleb Williams, uh, I, the, the better quarterback of the two, I feel like now that Spencer Rattler has been benched. Give me the Sooners to win at home. Texas Tech just fired their head coach and Matt Wells. They just lost to Kansas State at home. That was a gut punch. I don't think they recover against Oklahoma. I don't think they win, but I do think that they try and show out maybe 
Maybe they have a rallying point. I don't know. We're going to learn a little bit about this Texas Tech team, about whether or not they can pull an upset down the stretch. They're only one game away from bowl eligibility. I don't know if they get there. It's a really tough schedule down the stretch for them. I know they play a lot of ranked teams here remaining out of the Big 12, but I'll take Oklahoma as well. Oklahoma's so up and down. You just don't know what Oklahoma you're going to get. Oklahoma's like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to (laughs) get. Florida State at Clemson, 2.30 p.m. This one, I believe, on ACC Network. It's a it's a going to be a beautiful game. Nine it's on and ESPN, half, excuse me. Nine and a half point favorites are the Clemson Tigers at home. And I do think they are going to win this one because I've seen Florida State play a couple of times this year. Been watching them, not closely, but I have been watching them occasionally. And it's just that offense, while it has been scoring points the last three games, it's very up and down. And Clemson's defense at home, they've been doing good things this season, even though the offense has just been absolutely abysmal. Another low-scoring game for Clemson, and I think they find a way to win. I think Clemson wins this game on their defense. They've been able to beat Boston College. They've been able to beat Syracuse, Georgia Tech. Not not well, of course. They've all been six points or less, but Florida State, definitely from a talent perspective and from a results perspective, they're falling into the same category. This Florida State team is playing a lot better than they were earlier in the year, and I'm not ruling out the possibility that they get to a bowl game especially with that Florida game being more winnable at the end of the season. They'll only fall to three and five right here. I think this is a very interesting game. That's why I have it on the slate of games, but I too will go with Clemson. I just think they're going to get after it on that offensive side of the football, find a way to win this game. Number 12, Kentucky at Mississippi State, 6 o'clock p.m. SEC Network. And the line was favoring Kentucky by one for most of the week, but now it's favoring Mississippi State by one. One point. Which is weird. Kentucky hasn't beaten Mississippi State in Starkville since 2008. Maybe that has a little bit to do with it, but... I just don't understand this line right now, man. This feels really upset kind of to me, though. Like, this one was giving me the heebie-jeebies all week. Yeah, but Kentucky's defense has been good enough to where they can slow down the air raid offense. And then also, you look at Mississippi State, their defense, they're not very good either. And I know that Kentucky's not going to be throwing the ball around the yard, but Wandale Robinson should find himself open a few times in this game. Chris Rodriguez, not to to, uh, throw him under the bus, he's absolutely going to be involved in this game as well. Yeah, give me the cats to win this game. I, I I don't. Maybe it's something that I just don't understand about the situation, but I don't understand why Mississippi State's favorite here. Now I will give you this: it's it's definitely an upset prone, or it's an upset potential here, 100. And I think you could say that about a lot of different games throughout college football this year. Here's where I'm seeing it. Outside the LSU game, look at the offensive performances from Kentucky. They scored 13 against Georgia. Joined the club. They scored truly only 13 offensive points against Florida. It was a blocked field goal that got them up to 20. They only scored 16 on South Carolina, 28 on Chattanooga. You look outside that LSU game, which has really been an anomaly at this point. The Kentucky offense hasn't been very good. And Mississippi State's defense, sure, they give up 25 a game, but it's the rush yards allowed per game that are kind of bothering me about this game because they're only giving up 93 rush yards allowed per game. Kentucky's heavily, their success is heavily Mm -hmm. contingent on the ground. Mississippi State's also maybe finding their stride a little bit with the passing game. They're continuing to get better in the air raid. I don't know. I'm going to go UK because this is another one like the Iowa State-West Virginia game that I just can't quite bring myself to pull the trigger. You look at these two teams on paper, although you know this is going to be close, you know who the better team is. Yeah. And And it's Kentucky. I'll also say, like, we've seen the low points for Mississippi State, but we've also seen the highs this season. And maybe that's something that the odds makers are factoring into this is have we really figured out this Mississippi State team? Because you barely beat uh, La Tech to begin the year. You lose to Memphis, LSU, Alabama, but you beat A&M. And so there's definitely the highs there, but... We've also seen the lows, and they are just kind of an up-and-down team. Like you mentioned, they are finding their stride in the passing game. Who knows? Who knows? I think that UK is going to win this one, but it could be close. 
couple more games here before we go to break. Number 19, SMU at Houston, American Athletic Conference game. This one, an undefeated SMU team at a 6-1 Houston team, 6 o'clock on ESPN2, even line. And this one should be a lot of fun, man. This one should be fantastic. A lot of points. A lot of points scored in this game as well. Look, Houston was kind of left for dead, it felt like. Uh, just a couple of seasons ago, you know, they've not been playing very well under their, their head coach. Who was the guy that moved from West Virginia to, to Houston? Dana Holgerson. Uh, they've not been playing fantastic under him, but this year they've been able to kind of hit their stride. I will also point out that their schedule has not been very... Oh, it's they ain't played nobody, Paul! It's very much so they ain't played nobody. They have played the worst teams in the American. They played ECU, Tulane, Tulsa, Navy... And for, ain't played nobody. And for that reason, I think I'm going to give the edge to SMU because you talk about the highs and lows of the team. Look, SMU hasn't hit a low, I don't think, yet this season because they've won every single game that they played in. But their highs include beating TCU on the road 42-34. to This team knows how to play some offense. Give me the Mustangs to go on the road and get this one done. Ditto. I just have more trust in the team that's been tested. And in the one time that Houston's been tested, they lost by 17 to Texas Tech. Also, the quarterback for for SMU, Tanner Mordecai, former Oklahoma Sooner, I mean, he just transferred in. 29 touchdowns, 7 picks. The quarterback spot at SMU has been really good for a couple years now. Air Raid, bro. Air Raid. Sonny Dykes knows how to toss the bean around the field. All right, last one. Number 20, Penn State at number 5, Ohio State. Oh, man, this one's I don't think is going to be very close. Uh, and the line indicates that. It's going to be, I feel like, somewhat of an ugly game for Penn State. Iowa or Ohio State, excuse me, is really starting to to hit their stride late in the season, and that win over Indiana just kind of solidified. Okay, I don't know if that upset game is coming this season. I don't know if that random road win to a mid-tier Big Ten team is going to come. They're at home. 18 and a half point favorites are the Buckeyes. Give me uh, the Buckeyes in this game, and I think they potentially cover as well, even with a healthy Sean Clifford. They've just been quietly going about their work, Lance, quietly going about their work. And, you know, some may say is quietly beating Indiana 54 to 7 or Maryland 66 to 17. But, and I know the law of syllogism doesn't apply in college football, but Michigan State played Indiana to 20 to 15, and they won. Ohio State beat Indiana 54 to 7. I think this Ohio State team is a lot different than the team that lost to Oregon. And some of that pressure has been lifted off of them because everybody stopped talking about them. People are going to start talking about them again. I think Penn State gets destroyed in this game and probably left out of the top 25 poll next week, which is crazy that over the span of two weeks, they exit the poll after being top 10, top five for a large portion of this year. Let's head to a quick break here. When we come back, we talk with Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer. Back on On the Line, Lance Daw, Noah Gardner here with you on ESPN 106.7 and Fox Sports Central Alabama. Going to head to the phone lines now. We've got Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer to talk a little Auburn Ole Miss. But before we get to Auburn Ole Miss, what do you think about the Braves' performance in Game 1 of the World Series, Justin? I, I know that you, uh, according to your tweets, you are a very passionate Braves fan. Yeah, I mean, it was a lot of fun. You know, you always worry when you get in the big stage first time Brady's been there and you know since 99 he's like man I just hope they hope they play well you know hit the first ever leadoff homer in a game one of a world series jump on the starting pitching and then hold on and and, and kind of we're in control the whole game so yeah it was it was exciting I I, uh, I did not expect the Braves to go in there and take care of business like that so uh, I'm interested to see what they do in game two tonight uh in, a, in what should be a tougher matchup 
Speaking of your Twitter, which, by the way, anybody out there listening, go follow Jay Ferguson AU on Twitter. He, he's uh, got some entertaining stuff consistently out on his Twitter. But you tweeted out just about half an hour ago about Bo's improvement against pressure. You were quote-tweeting a statistic from court, uh, College Football Film Room talking about how Bo Nix has been handling pressure so well. And we were just talking about that, that in our last segment about we think the most important thing for Auburn in this game is Bo Nix handling the pressure that Ole Miss is going to throw at Nix. Do you think that may be the most important aspect in this matchup, or do you think Auburn should be looking at something else? I mean, from an offensive perspective, for sure, yeah. I mean, I think if you look at Ole Miss's defensive season, they're kind of, uh, kind of boom-bust. Uh, if you look at them, um, you know, they, they create some turnovers, um, a decent amount of turnovers. Um, but they, on a per play basis, outside of like a couple of performances that opener against Louisville last week on the ground against LSU, uh, they've kind of had a hard time. They're, they're not a particularly good defense, uh, when you make them sit out there and, and, you know, have to face a sustained drive. But they do get after the quarterback. They, they have guys that, I mean, they get aggressive with their pressures and with their blitzes because they know, I think, in the back of their mind, that they know that they you know, don't have the coverage weapons um, to kind of kind of hang with a lot of teams. So, yeah, Bo has played really, really well. That stat you were talking about, he is, you know, top four, uh, you know, I think number three, if I remember correctly, uh, in, you know, among, uh, you know, power five quarterbacks in, um, you know, what, this ratio where it takes, you know, how when you're pressured, your EPA, which is just a fancy way of, uh, saying you know how much better you are than average on a, on a particular play in the in that specific situation, and Bo under pressure has been one of the best in in the country this year. And the other ones are Amory Jones and C.J. Stroud and uh, Bryce Young. I mean, it's good company to be in. And Bo, you know, the the knock on Bo his first two years was not only was he an inconsistent passer in terms of his accuracy, but pressure really really got to him. I think Auburn's done a better job of protecting him this season, but when pressure does come. Uh, he's done a really good job of standing in there, knowing to go with the with the football and, and and making it happen. So yeah, I think from an offensive perspective, that's probably the big you know big part of this matchup. I think Auburn could run the ball against Ole Miss, but you know even still, I think they can win without it. Without, or I should say, they could win without you know ha- having a huge day on the ground because of the way uh, this pass defense is. But yeah, it's, it, this is a defense that kind of gambles. Uh, they want to pressure you and they want to create turnovers because you know they're just not very good on a per play basis. What does Bo Nix continuing to improve look like in this game against Ole Miss? I think it's just consistency, right? I mean, you play the game you played against Arkansas two weeks ago. Do that again, and you know Auburn's going to be in a great position to win and, and win pretty solidly. I think at home. Um, you know, this Ole Miss pass defense is not as good as Arkansas's. Um, you know, they do, like I said, they do get pressure on quarterbacks, but yeah, it's just consistency. I mean, we've seen Bo make some good plays throughout his career. We've seen Bo had some good games throughout his career, but it's that week-to-week consistency that everybody's been looking for, not not just from Bo Nix, but from the Auburn offense in general, from the Auburn football team in general. That's what Brian Harson's been preaching since he got here. Well, here's your perfect example. Ole Miss is a Favorable matchup, you're at home, you're not on the road. This is not a defense that necessarily scares you a ton if you can like take care of business and take care of the ball. Um, so go out there and do it. Go out there and have another really, really good game. I think part of it is for Knicks is like, you know, it, he can't do it alone, right? The wide receivers played an excellent game two weeks ago against Arkansas. Going to have to do it again this week against Ole Miss, and I think they have a good chance to do so. I'm going to give you an over-under here. Last weekend, Arkansas gave up completions to four different Auburn tight ends. Over-under, eight completions to a tight end this weekend against Ole Miss. 
Oh, that's a good question. Um, eight may be a little high. I might go a little under there, but no, it's, it's, it's a really good question because, you know, you look at, um, uh, you look at how they're using guys like Landon King, um, you know, not necessarily just a tight end, but like putting him out as a, as a slot receiver, uh, using him as a matchup problem over the middle of the field. Um, you know that they like to get the ball into Shanker's hands. They're throwing it to deal a little bit more. Um, you know, it, it'll be it'll be fun to see. I think it'll be fun to see the way Auburn wants to use their tight ends and incorporate that because, yeah, I mean, that's just another matchup problem. Uh, if you're facing a, an Ole Miss defense that is not particularly good at covering teams, I mean, most of the games they've this season – Teams are getting around like nine yards an attempt against them. Um, you know, don't limit yourself to just a couple of guys and spread it out. And, you know, Bo, I think, completed 11 pa- passes, 11 different receivers uh, against uh, – or 11 different players, I should say, against Arkansas. Yeah, spread it out. I mean, the more the merrier. Auburn does not have a superstar receiving weapon on this team. Uh, but what they do have is they have depth, and they have different ways they can beat you. And when you go up against a defense like this, uh, you can really uh, keep them on their heels. So yeah, I'll be interested to see how much they use the tight ends in this game because it was a, it was a big part of what they did against uh, big part of what they did against Arkansas, and also it's a big part of if they're having any success in the running game, the tight ends are usually on the field. So I think that'll be a big key for them. Ole Miss puts a lot of defensive backs on the field, similar to Arkansas, but a little bit more nickel here from Ole Miss. Auburn, when they like to run the football. They like to get extra blockers on the field, like to get their tight ends involved. Seems like Auburn's going to have a numbers advantage in the ground game for a large portion of this ball game. How confident are you that Auburn gets its ground game going against Ole Miss? I think they have a better chance of doing it against Ole Miss than they did against Arkansas. Uh, Arkansas has got some really good tacklers. Um, Ole Miss, not quite as tough in, you know, in the consistent tackling, especially with those DBs. I go back to the Arkansas, uh, the Alabama game for uh, Ole Miss a few weeks ago. Um Alabama just lined up and just hammered them and, and, and really ran the ball really well. Brian Robinson had a huge day. And the, the big take when you watch that game is because of the way Ole Miss lines up on defense and kind of their personnel. You look at it and say, mm, it might be a little too light, a little too light up front. Um, and Auburn's got some big old dudes on the offensive line. Like when you want to look at this game on both sides of the ball, why I think Auburn is favored, not just because they're playing at home, um, but I think not only is Auburn a more talented football team, but I think they're just better – at the line of scrimmage uh, on offense and potentially on defense. So, um, you know, Ole Miss has got so much talent uh, with uh, their skill position players, with their quarterback, obviously, uh, with some of the uh, defensive backs and the linebackers they've got. Uh, they they got some big play type of talent. Uh, but if you try to make this like an SEC West classic, like slugfest, uh, that favors Auburn. So I would imagine Auburn's going to try to do that and uh, try to get that running game going again. And, and hopefully that week off, kind of gets people rested up a little, healed up a little bit more, and uh, ready to kind of hit the ground running on, on Saturday. You look at these last four games for Ole Miss, they played Alabama, Arkansas, Tennessee, and LSU all in, uh, in, in consecutive weeks here. Health for Ole Miss has been a question and somewhat of a storyline uh, throughout the past couple of weeks. Do you see any concern on the Ole Miss side in terms of Matt Corral's health, Braylon Sanders, some of their big play threats, or do you think everybody's going to be ready to play this game against Auburn? I, I'm just I'm interested to see how Corral plays. Um, uh, you know, Corral, uh, you know, got hurt against Tennessee, and people were worried that it was like long term. And he played well last week against uh, against LSU. It took a little while for Ole Miss's offense to really, really get going in that game. He didn't run the ball very much, and that was a big weapon in his game. Like he's such a talented and gifted gifted uh, passer. But one of the things is if you can keep him in the pocket, um, it just kind of limits how good he could be, right? You know, can he beat you from the pocket? Sure. But 
he's a, he's less dangerous if you don't let him run. And so I think that's going to be an interesting thing. How well does he run the ball? How healthy is in that in that regard? And how, and how much Auburn can get after him? But you know, from those other players like a Braylon Sanders or something like that, even if I think they have absences or guys who are less than 100 percent on offense, they've got so much depth. I mean, they've got a lot of wide receivers they like to get the ball to. Uh, all three, all three of their running backs are, are really effective. They got a deep rotation there. They use the running backs really well in their passing game. So I think uh, Ole Miss is going to have the weapons. Uh, I just think, you know, health-wise, I, I wonder how much Corral is going to be able to run. And if he isn't able to run quite as effectively, or if Auburn does a good job of containing him, I think they have a better chance of slowing down this offense. Likewise, how available do you think Auburn is from an injury standpoint and uh, just having their guys out there? Yeah, so, I mean, it, this this should be the week where you might be able to see the return of Owen Papo. No one has said anything definitive on that one way or another, but – uh, it's been hinted at throughout the week that, you know, guys are healthier. He guys on defense are back. Um, that's kind of a code word, I think, for, for Owen. And maybe even a guy like T.D. Moultrie, even though his absence has not had anything to do with injury. Um, you know, I, if Owen is back out there for Auburn on Saturday, you, you, you feel better about their chances to win this game because when you play an Ole Miss offense that is really good at running the ball and really good at throwing the ball, efficient and explosive in both areas, that's a game that's going to strain your linebackers, right? You need your linebackers, you know, to be really good in coverage and really good at run stopping because they try to do both of them at a really, really high level. Uh, Owen Papo, if you get him out there, you think about Dakota McClain, you think about how well uh, Chandler Wooten has stepped up in the place of Papo. You get depth back, you get your best athlete back at linebacker, you get a rangy uh, kind of speedy weapon that I think can match some of what uh, Ole Miss wants to do in space. That's got to be the big one. So, uh, you know, no one's said, said anything definitive yet one way or another if Owen's going to play, but it would make sense coming off that off week um, that they've got him healed up and ready to go and uh, ready to, uh, to you know, make his return for the first time since the Penn State game uh, and, and really show how much better this defense can be with him on the field. Final question here to you before you before we uh, let you get out of here. What would a win this weekend signify for the rest of Auburn's season? Oh, it would be it would be huge. I think these next two games. I think you know if Auburn splits these next two games, you feel really good about what year one means. Um, if you win both of them, you know you start thinking, okay, maybe this team has a chance to win the West, and you know, or at least have an opportunity to win the West when they when they go to the Iron Bowl uh, on Thanksgiving weekend. Um, so I think this game right here, being at home, being at the team that's less talented, uh, even though Ole Miss has played better ball, I think on the whole this season more consistently than. Than, uh, than, than A&M has. Um, this is a game where if you get this and you're 6-2 and two and you've beaten a top-10 team at home, um, you start looking around and saying, okay, this, this, this whole thing might be a little bit ahead of schedule uh, this year uh, for, for Auburn. So, it, it, you know, it keeps you in the SEC West hunt. Um, you know, I think momentum-wise, it means a lot moving forward. I think it gives you a little, you know, leeway maybe, you know, when you go to A&M next week, that's not one where you're just like panicking and saying that's why that's an absolute must win. Um, even though I think Auburn can definitely go there and, and get the win. Uh, but yeah, I think this is a, this is a game where, um, you know, last week was big to, or two weeks ago, I should say, was good for resetting momentum, getting it back and moving into a, to an important off week. This week is more of, all right, can this be the launch pad for the rest of the season? Because Auburn will have time to pick themselves up and dust themselves off. No matter what happens over these next two weeks, you get state, you get South Carolina before the Iron Bowl. But um, you know this could, this one can go a long way into determining what the tone 
down the stretch is. Is Auburn going to be a good team? Is Auburn going to be a team that's going to be you know still scuffling to try and struggling to uh, get a decent bowl? Or is this a team that has a chance to you know shock everybody and maybe make a run at going to Atlanta this year? Justin, we really appreciate you taking the time to stop by and talk with us. Tell everybody where they can find your fantastic content. Yeah, AuburnObserver.com. Uh, $6 a month, $60 a year gets you access to everything we've got going on. You know, this week we've done stories on Auburn's running game, uh, the offensive line situation heading into uh, Ole Miss. Uh, today did a story on Auburn's defense facing an aggressive Ole Miss offense that goes for it on fourth down more than anybody else in the country, gets it more than anybody else in the country. And, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll have a full preview for our subscribers, a, a podcast breaking down all the angles from this game up tomorrow morning, mailbag on Friday, uh, and then coverage throughout the weekend of the Ole Miss game and, uh, you know, the uh, the, the basketball scrimmage uh, that will be happening Friday night. So there's a lot going on. AuburnObserver.com, sign up there. Once you pay your subscription, everything we do gets emailed straight to your inbox. You can also follow him on Twitter, at JFergusonAU. Justin, we really appreciate your time again. Absolutely. I'll be good. That was Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer on with us to talk about the Auburn Ole Miss game this weekend. And on the other side of this break, we wrap up our number one of the show. You're back on the line with Noah Gardner and Lance Dahl at ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. Last segment of the show, Friday edition of the show here. We've got Saturday selections to wrap up the show here on Friday Saturday selections. All right, Lance, we've got three more to go here, including the Auburn Ole Miss game. North Carolina at number 11, Notre Dame, 6.30 p.m. NBC. Notre Dame favored by three and a half. And I really want to take North Carolina win this game because everybody and their mother knows how I feel about the Notre Dame fighting Irish. Do it. But unfortunately, I can't because you talk about, like we talked about when we were making our picks just a couple of segments ago, the highs and lows of a football team. And right now, after that Cincinnati loss, I feel like Notre Dame is kind of hitting their stride. They beat Virginia Tech on the road in Blacksburg. Then they came back home, beat USC 31-16. to North Carolina not playing as well as many people thought they would in the preseason 4-3 and three right now on the year. Their offense is still potent. They're still scoring a good bit of points, but I just Notre Dame in these type of games, especially at home, they find a way to come out with a win. I think this is going to be close up until the fourth quarter, but Notre Dame finds, finds a way to pull it out. Three and a half point favorites are the Fighting Irish. Give me them to, uh, to win this game and to cover as well. North Carolina can score and I know this team's up and down but Notre Dame's gonna hover around 30 points in pretty much every game that they play doesn't matter whether it was Toledo Purdue whoever it's gonna be they're gonna score around 27 to 30 points I think North Carolina can pass that I'll take the upset all right I think I, I don't think it matters the defense that Notre Dame's playing I don't think that they can score more than that amount I it's a Notre Dame thing I appreciate this Noah Take us through the next two, Lance. Next two, we got two more games left. This one could be interesting. We were talking about this earlier in the week. Virginia at number 25, BYU. Both teams 6-2. and two. BYU, two-and-a-half-point favorites, 9-15 ESPN2. I'm going to take... Uh, I'm going to take Virginia to win this one because we've seen, again, talking about the highs and lows of a football team, we saw just a couple weeks ago BYU lose back-to-back games to Boise State and to Baylor. One of those teams I think is top 25 caliber, the other one not so much, and that one was at home to Boise State. They beat Washington State 21-19 just this past weekend. Bronco Mendenhall, like you've mentioned many a time this week, reuniting with his former team, Brennan Armstrong, right now on the season, already has 3,200 passing yards, 23 touchdowns, 6 interceptions. This offense is going to go out to Provo, and they're going to get it done. Give me the Cavaliers. 
I'm going to take Virginia in this one as well. BYU's not playing as well as they did to start the year when they beat Arizona State, when they beat Utah. Maybe they just caught those teams on bad nights. I don't know. But since a loss to Boise State, this team has not been the same. They're not scoring the ball very well. Only scored 21 against a really subpar Washington State team that lost their head coach. Give me Virginia on the road, and they are putting up a lot of points. Last game, Lance. Number 18, Auburn at home against the number 10, Ole Miss Rebels. This line has kind of flip-flopped back and forth between two and a half and three throughout this week after opening at minus one in favor of the Rebels. It's currently sitting at three in favor of Auburn. Look, we've talked about this game a lot this weekend, and I think what I continue to come back to is Auburn's defense is going to find a way to contain Matt Corral in certain spots. Now, they're not going to stop Matt Corral. They're not going to shut him down by no means. I don't think they're going to do what Alabama did but I think they're going to find enough stops in third down situations where Corral would normally extend the play with his legs. I think they're going to have the linebackers and have the scheme and have the preparation to slow this guy down. And Auburn on the offensive side of the ball, I think they're just going to be able to be efficient. I think they're going to keep play keep away a little bit. I think they're going to control the clock. I think Bo Nix is going to have an efficient game. Is he going to be explosive? I don't know if we're going to see maybe more than one or two explosive pass plays in this game. I think Auburn's going to really want to try and, and, and just kind of slow things down and keep it efficient, keep the ball away from Corral. I like Christian Clemente's pick, 41-38. to I'll go 38-34 Auburn in this game. I think it's going to be even a little bit more low scoring than that. And my reasoning behind that... I think Auburn's going to try and control the ball a little bit more in this game. Maybe not. Now they may take some shots, but I just have a hard time imagining this one turning into a high-scoring shootout. And even 38-34, to 34, I like the pick. I think Auburn wins. I'm going to take Auburn to win somewhere around where they did last year. It's not going to be the exact same score, so I'll move off of 35-28. to 28. Let's say like 34-27 Auburn. Okay. I think that they'll be able to contain the Ole Miss offense. Not stop, but contain it. The difference here is the fact that Auburn is a more complete team. They're better in the trenches. They're a better defensive team. They're going to be able to slow down that Ole Miss offense, make Matt Corral more uncomfortable than Ole Miss is going to be able to make Bo Nix uncomfortable. I like Auburn to win this game, and I think they get college football's attention. Absolutely, I agree. And we've talked about this a little bit throughout the week. We talked with Ferguson about this. We talked with uh, Christian a little bit about this, talking about the what this means for this Auburn program. First of all, they're going to a bowl which some people didn't think was possible in Brian Harson's first season. Second off, it's a momentum builder for the rest of the year because you've got Texas A&M coming up on the road in just a week. That's going to be a difficult game. We don't know what time that game's going to be. I think that's going to be a determining factor, but this team can really build on this win if they can get it. Lance, another good week, my man. Absolutely. Really enjoyed the show today, man. Go Braves, War Eagle. War Eagle, go Braves. We'll see everybody on Monday. You know where to find us.